This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. And welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Heineman, and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly, how's it going? It is going great, Elizabeth. I mean, I know that when we probably, this comes out, it may be sunny and warm, but today when we're recording, the snow is coming down here in the Nashville area, and it's absolutely beautiful. It looks like we live in a snow globe right now, which is amazing. It does. It does. Yes. So we are here today with Casey Merrifield. Casey, how are you? I am doing great. We just sent you all the snow we had here in Oklahoma. <laughs> yes. I know. I know. My kids have been, like, they've been dealing with power outages and everything else. And, and our friends in the in Texas have really been dealing with it. So, you know, yeah. we've been praying for our Texas friends for sure. Definitely. And and you're, you're kind of a Texan at heart, too, Casey. Oh, completely. I, I'm from Texas, but I live in Oklahoma, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my heart goes out to all my Texas peeps. Yes. Well, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, they will have made it through, and it, it will be warm probably there at that, at that point, because I think this one is scheduled for March at some point. So um, I bet they'll be nice and toasty at that, at that time. Um, well, Casey, tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing right now. Okay. Well, I guess the kind of the exciting thing, which for me, um, next month I will celebrate eight years of marriage to my husband, Scott. We were both 39 when we married, so that's a big deal in our house. Um, our world kind of revolves around our pug, Bodie. We've got nieces and nephews and right now a bunch of baby new calves that are being born. So that's kind of new in our world. But Um, Aside from that just being kind of our family, uh, we live in western Oklahoma, a little town called Elk City. Uh, I am a Texas girl, but I did move north of the Red River for the said husband. Um, And so glad to be here. Um, Some of the things I'm involved in, I helped found a company with some women back in 2019 called Connection Worldwide. It's a leadership development company that focuses on training up secure, confident, humble leaders. And we really believe that that happens at the intersection of where leadership and culture meet. So that's that's where I spend a lot of my world. Um, Also finishing a PhD and a dissertation that I I know is um, (laughs) such a challenge. Um, I do serve as a Lifeway trainer. That's been one of the greatest joys that I have had in the last few years, getting to go around different parts of the country and train and equip women. Um, I also serve on the leadership team for Oklahoma Baptist women, and then um, we are new to a new church in our little town, and so we're trying to get plugged in there, so that kind of wraps up what's mostly going on in our world. Well, you know, Casey, one of the things that I love about having you as one of our trainers is that you kind of bring in some marketplace training, but you really do... You know, speak from a biblical worldview in the aspect of leadership training and and how we can be better leaders. And so you definitely bring a a unique perspective to some of our training events. But let's talk about the importance of why it is so important for leaders to find training. 
Uh, this is so good. Well, as with anything kind of in the postmodern culture, I feel like we have to define what leadership really is, what leader training is and what leadership training is. And that's one of the things that um, at Connection is so important to us is really that we dive deep into what leader training is so that when you do give leadership training, people aren't self-sabotaging. Um, so leader training, if we really define that, is really helping people work on their core as a leader. So this is interesting as I've thought so much about this in the last several years, but you don't just go to the gym once. You go to the gym when you wanna focus on strengthening and conditioning, um, and you really make that a lifestyle if you're gonna focus. And the, and the leaders always, or the trainers always say, focus on your core. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about leader training, I think about focusing on the core training of a leader. And those are really kind of three things. Um, it's the IQ, it's kind of your skill set. it's what you're really good at. So are you in a job or a ministry or working out in a way where you're actually good at what you do? Um, we have this 70-30 pr principle we talk about that's like 70% of your world really needs to kind of be in something that's like muscle memory to you. It's your unconscious competence. You just know how to do it. The other 30% of your life, because we don't live in a world where we always get to do what we love, about 30% of our life should do that, but our skill set is so important. So are you really strengthening your skill set? Because we always need to be growing. I mean, you guys know this with COVID, we have turned more technology tech, technological than we've ever had to be in most of the world that, that most of us have lived in. And so we really have to go, okay, how do we learn new skills to do what we're good at. The next thing in your core is what we call our emotional intelligence. So that's your EQ. You got your IQ, your EQ, and your EQ is your emotional intelligence. So uh, this is really just knowing yourself as a leader. We never graduate from the school of self-awareness, my friend Steve says. So our tendencies never change, but they certainly affect what it's like to be on the other side of us. And so the people that we lead or our families. This doesn't even have to be in ministry or in corporate life. It really is like, what is it like to be in a relationship with anybody? And do you know how to lead yourself well there? The third thing of your core is your personality and the self-awareness, that, that whole piece of understanding how you're wired, how you communicate, uh, what your tendencies are and where they may be different than other people's uh, so that you don't get into a place where you're minimizing your influence. So as we think about leader training, leader training should always come before leadership skill training because you think about people who might be in positions of leadership to do lots of different kinds of things but it can be pretty disastrous if they don't know how to lead themselves well. I feel, I feel like we're kind of in a leadership crisis in, our, in America right now where we've got all of these leaders in, our, in positions, but they don't lead themselves well. And that's disastrous for the people who come behind them. So as I think about that, you've got leader training. And so really, are we focusing on knowing ourselves to lead ourselves? Because if we can do that, then when we get to leadership training, which is more how do we lead other people where well then what does people development really look like so do you know your people to lead your people um, are you really developing other people um, leadership is absolutely influence and I, I think that goes to the core of who we are 
no matter what our role is, but leadership training is what role are you in and are you developing your people? Are you calling them up to better things? Are you empowering them? Are you actually giving them what they need to succeed? So I think when you really look at why is it important, it's important because if we want to produce more, we want to have a successful company, well, we have to lead ourselves well to lead our company well. Uh, but really, if I'm going to be honest, my heart is for ministry. So when I think about the church and I think about uh, ministry leadership, I think, man, we have a, had a lot of self-sabotage in the last several years with ministry leaders um, that have just fallen and caved to like incredible sinful moral failures, but because they didn't lead themselves well and and then they weren't developing people. They were basically just building an island unto themselves. So that's a long answer, but that's kind of what I think of when I think about the importance of why. I, I think what you said is just, uh, I mean, I kept thinking of even just discipleship in general of just, mm -hmm. it really is kind of even this discipleship mindset mindset of of leadership as well like you you have to know your skills you have to know how to get in god's word and you have to know you know the self-awareness and the emotion you know how you're um how you're producing fruit of the spirit things like that and so i can really see that even translated and i think that you just explained that super you know in a way that i think all of us can kind of grab handles onto as well well, I, when I think about it, I think of Ephesians 4. I mean, if we're all supposed to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, it Paul continues to go on and tell us there that we have got to be unified. Well, uni, un, unity does not mean lack of diversity. So we have to know our spiritual gifts. We have to know our intellectual gifts. We have to know all of those things. And then we have to produce what is going to edify the body of Christ. And when we edify the body of Christ, then our culture changes. And so what happens there is you really do think about it being this call in our life to bring, to make much of Jesus. So whether it's ministry or the marketplace, but it absolutely is discipleship because we can't give away that which we don't possess. And so we have to constantly be transforming our lives and calling other people to that transformation. Yeah, and that kind of leads us well into the next question that we had for you, which is, um, what are some reasons that leadership training, or sorry, what are some of the biggest challenges that you hear from leaders today? And then what are some common missteps? So you kind of got, got into a little of the common missteps, but what are some other challenges or missteps that our leaders are facing right now? Honestly, I think we we just live in this world um, of fear, um, fear of being known. I mean, this is this is the age old question that started back in the garden is I'm trying to prove that I can do it better than God or I'm trying right. to prove what other people need. So we 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 kind of live in this self-preservation world where it's like I'm trying to prove something or I'm afraid of being found out. So I think the greatest mess, misstep, honestly, is being known. Because when we're known, it's not, and this is where I feel like the world kind of gets it wrong. We kind of say, well, you be you. Um, and so just be authentic. Well, I feel like there's a, a gospel filter that goes around just you be you. It says, let's be honest about who we are but let's also invite God to grow those things that are, are 
keeping us from the fullness of life or Mm -hmm. whatever he's calling us to and from the greatest influence. And so I think the greatest misstep is not being known. Now, here's part of the problem. And and I I kind of shoot it straight. So just hear this with a a glad heart. (laughs) The church has not done well letting people um, be honest about sin. And so we have shamed people. We have um, punished people um, in a way that is outside of the bounds of Scripture. And we haven't actually called people up to Christ-likeness. And so when I think about the missteps, the missteps are we are running scared of, of being shamed and punished rather than being able to be vulnerable so we can be set free. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think that um, I just think about, I mean, probably people are listening and they're thinking of leaders in their head even of, you know, how they've done that. Or even there's listeners who have felt punished or have felt shame in in what they, you know, maybe their sin. And how can how can churches do better at that, Casey? Wow. Well, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. It's specifically why I focused on my dissertation in this area, but it really is, we need leaders who are, who are not isolated. Many leaders live in these bubbles of isolation and they are not asking people to call out sin in their own life. They're too afraid to confess sin. And in, instead of being set free from it and letting that be a testimony of the gospel transformation in all of our lives, because we're all sinners, we have hidden sin. We've hidden, before sin even came to light, we've hidden um, the thought that James talks about, which is so detrimental. If, it, if it's a thought, it's going to give birth to an action. And so instead of being honest about the thoughts in our life, we have hidden those, and so people are not able to. So I think churches just need to create what I would call a true safe place to struggle well. So not give in to sin, but to be honest about sin so we can truly, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, when we gather, we need to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Well, the only way we do that is if we're honest about the misdeeds that are after us trying to take us out and the bible tells us that the enemy is really seeking to destroy our lives and so none of us are immune to temptation so churches need to be a place where we can talk about the temptation and then put guardrails in the form of biblical community to say i'm going to help you walk out this temptation so that you honor the lord rather than feel like you have to be fearful to even own what the struggle is That's so good. And I really like the phrase um, that you said, a safe place to struggle well. And I think that is so great. And it's actually reflective of several conversations I've had recently with people and just, you know, we're all struggling in this Christian life, you know, to overcome sin every day. And so there is a level of that where we will watch each other struggle and we'll, you know, we'll see we'll see each other's sins essentially. So we're not, none of us are perfect, but to have an environment where you can do that well and where it's not okay to stay in your sin. Um, but it is okay to struggle with it. And I think that's something that we as leaders, um, wherever you lead can work to do that and, and be, um, authentic 
in your struggle with that as well so that other people can see that. Absolutely. I think that's great. So you're one of our LifeWay trainers um, and you teach at Lead Events. So what have you learned? Let's real quick. Can y'all maybe Kelly and Casey can both answer this. Just tell us a little bit about what Lead is, because I feel like there's a lot of people that may or may not understand fully what it what goes on at a Lead. So tell us that first. Okay, well, I'll jump in here and Casey, you add okay. to it. And then maybe even Casey, just I'm, I'm going to have you maybe talk even just about some of the things that you've learned yeah. from the women that you've, you know, maybe had at an event and you've been in front of and some of the questions that you've gotten. And um, so uh, LifeWay offers what we call you lead events. And these it's a leadership training um, opportunity in front of several of our larger events. So uh, LifeWay Women Live events this year and the Going Beyond Live with Priscilla Shire events. Um, it's, it's a pre-conference the day before, and it's an all-day breakout sessions, some worship, general, you know, a general session. But it really is for any woman who wants to grow in their leadership potential. And so you don't have to be a women's ministry director, although a lot of women who come to this are ministry leaders. Um, but there are women who are just leading Bible studies. There are women who are leading in their home. There are women who are leading in the marketplace. And they just want to go, how do I, and, and some of the things that Casey's already talked about, why it's important for us to be developing leadership traits within our lives. And, and how do we do that in a biblical way? Everything is biblically based. And so we try to focus, this year we're really focusing on three aspects when you come, and that is um, biblical literacy. Um, personal equipping and you know personal enrichment as well as just general ministry leadership as well so there's some broad topics there but then uh, we also have panel discussions things like that and so we would love for women to come to these events and in our show notes you can find the link to to go to that because we're in several different cities so hopefully there's one that's coming near you but um, those are some things and, and we have about 20 22 trainers that represent different aspects of leaders and so normally um, I'm usually at all the events and then we have two of our trainers that come and they teach as well and sometimes there's local uh, leaders that come and train um, but Casey's been doing this Casey I think this may be your fourth year although can we count 2020 since we didn't get to do any of them <laughs> exactly uh, you know but um, yeah talk a little bit Casey about some of the things that you've learned and what you've seen at these events you know, what I love about it is I think women are craving to be trained and to be equipped. And so for whatever reason, I mean, we, we know in the landscape, uh, landscape across the country, like most of our churches are very, very small. Mm -hmm. And so there's not a lot of uh, equipping and training opportunities, especially for women. I think pastors have resources, uh, you know, um, plenty of resources to go and be trained and different things. But for women, it's harder for them to find spaces where people are, are equipping them in all of those things that Kelly mentioned. Um, the beauty of, of it all for us too is because so many of them might be ministry leaders, but they're not paid ministry leader, leaders. So some of them have jobs outside of the church and the home. And so when they come together, they're coming with lots of different gifts and talents and uh, leadership capabilities. And so when we 
can give them biblical literacy or we can help them understand fundamental things to do in ministry to women, that is heightened. But then when you just think about people development in general, and we're all called to make disciples, whether we're the senior leader of any event. So it's like, how do we really help them know how to develop people and lead others? And so um, I love that when marketplace women are in my group because they are ministry minded and they're very actively involved in, in their ministries in the church, but they want to be equipped in how to do both well. And so uh, I think it's a good blend, but I think you just, you see all types, but I think, I think the reason they're there is there's so um, few opportunities for real training. And I will say this, you lead is so affordable. So it is one place that they can go where they don't have to spend hundreds of dollars and really get good, good training. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, I think it's, you know, $75 and that includes your lunch and your notebook and, you know, every all the training that you get for that one day. And it, I, one of the things that I love that one of our, our marketing people has said in the past is, you know, you can come to like the big event, like a Life of Women Live, which we love those events. But it's like going to a concert. Like you're there with all your best friends and you're screaming and you're worshiping and you're, you know, you're just soaking it in and everything. But a you lead event is like getting a private lesson. So these are trainers and they, these are teachers who actually, you know, you can approach, you can email them, you can connect with them, ask some questions. And so you really do feel like that personal touch at one of the you lead events. I do love the thought of everyone screaming at Lifeway Women Live. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if that exactly know. happens, but I mean, we do some giveaways, so maybe there is some screaming, but well, yes, <laughs> Casey, you talked a little bit about the different, um, ministry leaders that you encounter at U Leads, and we know that you live in rural Western Oklahoma. So leadership and ministry might look a little bit different for you than it does for someone who's like in a more urban or a city area. So what are some differences in like in ministry and in leadership in the rural area versus an urban area? Traffic. Yes. <laughs> and then what are some things that we all have in common as well? So like, what are some differences? Traffic. What are some things that we all have in common? You know, uh, y'all sent these questions and I, I really prayed over this one because I have been in a very large metropolitan church in Dallas before I moved to Oklahoma. I have been in um, small churches. My dad pastored in small churches all across Oklahoma and he's back in Texas now. But um, I have been in lots of different churches and I think if I'm really just going to boil down the, the heart of this question, it's like, it's just the context and the culture are different. So we don't have a lot of executives in our community. We have farmers, we have ranchers, we have oil field workers, uh, we have stay-at-home moms, we have uh, women who work full-time and carry the load, we have single moms, we have people who are incredibly intelligent that have never stepped foot into college. Um, but then we have very uneducated people too. So in some ways, it, the, the reality of the context and culture is just how you communicate what is essential to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I, I really have a different mindset, I think, about ministry over the course of the last 15 years than I probably did in all of my life because I have seen churches that really focus on programs and they want people to have all the right 
theology and the right information. Um, then I, I know other churches that are very externally focused and they just want to be known in their community for, for how they love and serve the community. And then there are some churches that really do both well. They're really focused on helping train people in God's truth. But they also model really well what that means to live that out in the everyday. So I, I kind of liken it to they're more missionally minded and they're not just living for the next mission event. And so I feel like there's a it's a mindset of ministry that can be different. But I don't think that that is just in Western Oklahoma. I think yeah. that is across our country is the leaders define the culture of what the mindset is of the church and the ministry. So it really does go back to leadership. And leadership is only exposed to what they expose themselves to. So um, who do you listen to about different ministry uh, mindsets and opportunities? I think at the end of the day, it just boils down to churches that are doing things gospel-centered this this is true in Western Oklahoma. It's also a challenge in big cities. It's a challenge in Western Oklahoma. How do you create a community of believers who feel responsible to one another as the church, since the church is not the building, it's a people? How do we feel responsible for one another? And we feel responsible and to be and make disciples. And so while I think we could talk about Western Oklahoma being different, I think the difference is just the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a more rural context, but the, the, the real challenge is how do you get people to become, um, become more like Christ? And are you training them in that? And then are you calling them up to that in, in the expectation of being called a Christ follower? And how do you do that in a way that's gospel-centered, that's biblically-based uh, community where we're calling people to that. So, um, but we're all sinners. So this is true in Western Oklahoma as it's true in Dallas, Texas. Um, like the idols we struggle with, we, we chase after self-love and we chase after things. We chase after money and comfort and ease and people-pleasing and power. And so um, at the end of the day, it's how do we communicate to people that these are the things that are stealing our joy and they're stealing our influence for the kingdom. So I don't know if that answers it fully. I just, it's just the people are different, but they're not different because we're all just people. Yeah. Would, would you say too that it kind of like leadership rises and falls with the leader? It absolutely does. I mean, leaders define culture, sub-leaders define subculture. And I think this is the conversation when you talk about ministry to women so often. You, you're not going to be the senior leader. Yeah. So do you have influence? You absolutely do. You have influence with the people that God has called you to lead. And so you're not responsible for how your pastor leads. Though I, I, I'm prayerful that anyone could serve under a pastor where they are calling each other to Christ-likeness in and of themselves, and they're they're doing this as a team. But at the end of the day, it really is just about um, that whole idea of leaders defining what is important. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your PhD. You mentioned yes. it. I feel like this. I yeah. feel like your answer to that question leads very well into the PhD. So, yes. Uh -huh. 
Tell us. Yeah. I mean, you're almost done, right? Yeah, I'm working so hard. I'm trying to, I'm almost about to be to where I actually get to do my study. So I, I've got to finish my proposal and get that defended and then I can do my study. So I'm, I'm nearing that part of the process. But um, yeah, so my focus really is, it's a qualitative study. So I'm going to actually be studying church leaders and their experiences with church discipline in the 21st century. And so um, everybody always goes, well, that's interesting. Do churches do that? And I'm like, well, some actually do. Um, you know, that, that practice kind of phased out in American Baptist life, um, really roughly around the 60s, not completely, um, but it kind of phased out in the 60s with the sexual revolution and just this whole idea of, you know, I'm not responsible to anybody but myself. So get out of my corner and quit calling me to <laughs> calling me up to whatever I want to be. And so at, when that all settled in, I mean, we can look at we can look at our culture right now. And this is where my greatest heart is: is we want to look at the culture and we want to condemn it. But I don't think the church has done its job to light the candle. So we don't want to condemn the culture. We want to light a candle. But lighting a candle means that we've got to light the candle in our own lives to, to expose what is keeping us from Christ-likeness and not so we can shame one another. I mean, this goes back to know yourself to lead yourself. This goes back to um, leader development. This is basically Christian leadership 101. David prayed this prayer, search me and know me, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in a way that's everlasting. And so we have to be honest about the things that are tripping us up. And so when you think about church discipline, church discipline is just discipleship. I mean, people misunderstand that word, but it's a part of the discipleship process of the church that many churches have gotten away from because number one, they don't know how to do it or people are opposed to it in the church. I've done all kinds of study on why people don't do church discipline, but at the end of the day, the reason for it is so that we can present ourselves unto Christ as an unblemished bride. And so because we're sinners and we're not unblemished um, and we are not yet glorified, we will walk in we will walk in sin until we meet Jesus face to face. And so God's not mad at us that we sin. Um, his, his love for us is vast, but we have got to as a body of believers, call each other up out of sin so we look more beautiful for the world to see why he matters in our life. And so, um, so yeah, I'm super all over this topic. <laughs> yeah, I love how you phrase that too, um, that it's just, you know, so that we can make Christ look beautiful. I love that. Well, you know, I um, was at a church in Dallas that if I'm going to be super honest, the reason I first got attracted to that church is I heard that they practiced church discipline. I was like, oh, good. Finally, a church that holds people accountable for their sin. <laughs> I mean, if I'm just going to be super honest about my pharisaical heart, that's what got me to that church. But then I saw the way that they lovingly called people to holiness and that the discipline was not punitive, but it actually was as an ambassador of reconciliation to call us to unity, to call us to holiness. And it was the most loving thing I had ever seen. And it was in that place and in that season in my life that God really began to break down the Pharisaical shackles of my own heart of the, 
I think God's really proud of me because I follow the rules mm-hmm. and just realizing that it's not the rules is why he loves me, but neither is it my rule following that is helping me love other people. I was not loving people well. Mm-hmm. And when I learned that my own sin was keeping me from looking beautiful, God's not mad at me that I'm a sinner, but it's not me. It's not anything that I do that makes me beautiful. It's who he is that makes me beautiful. And so I, it really leveled the, gr- the ground at the foot of the cross for me when I saw people being called to holiness and everyone, not just the prostitute or the drunkard, but the believer who was prideful and arrogant and hateful and so self-righteous and God changed me. And so it was something that I was like, why don't we do this more? This is beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that may be part of your answer to our next question. It's the question that we always ask, or it could be something entirely different, (laughs) but we always ask every week on the podcast, what has marked you in your life for Christ? Wow, I, I really do think it's understanding his love for what it really was. Yeah. And it was it was his reconciling me to him even after salvation in a way that showed me that even though I'm prone to wander, his banner over me is love. And he really has made known to me the path of life. So when I'm in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And when I'm at his right hand, there are pleasures that are forever. And I can't chase after other things to find that. But that's the story of my life. I do. And he still says, hey, I'm still here. Come back. Let me show you I love you. I'm not mad at you. But outside of that banner of love, you are going to miss me. And you're not going to find fullness of joy. I, th- I think, I mean, I'm just thinking about even the season that we're in of just preparing our hearts for Easter and what you said is really just everything he did for us. Um, yeah. And it really does reflect on just what Christ did for us. Well, Casey, are there some things that we can be praying for you um, as, our, as our listeners think about just what you're doing and how God is using you? What are some ways that people can pray for you? Well, that is a great question. So I'm working on chapter three of my dissertation, and I'm hoping to submit that soon. So really, this is a stewardship issue for me to complete this doctorate and and move forward. The Lord's doing some really great thing um, in our things in our company and opening up doors for us to serve teams and people. And so uh, that's been a real beautiful part of my life the last few years. So I I think just pray that God continues to show us favor as we walk in obedience to Him and that He would keep us humble before Him so that whatever comes our way, we're willing to um, we're willing to walk in it. So those are probably two primary things. And then um, at the end of the day, I think it just to be faithful and to always be um, humble before Him, you know, so that so that my life can be a legacy and and it won't be a disaster. Finish strong. That's right. I think I think that's a desire of all of our hearts is yes. that we want to finish faithful and finish strong and and uh, just to to walk in the Lord that way. So, yeah. Casey, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. Yes, well, thank, thank you for you. having me. 
Yeah. Well, listeners, we are so glad that you joined us again. We hope that you come back week after week. And um, Elizabeth, we, uh, we'll just sign off and say um, bye for next week. Until next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heinemann. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find LifeWay Women on all social media channels at LifeWay Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.